0: Welcome. You're listening to If This Then That, Berg School of Communication podcast about all things brand strategy related. I'm Michael Anito. And I'm Adam Horn, And today we're going to talk to you about creativity. More specifically, we're going to talk to you about creativity in recessions and why recessions are so damn creative.
1: So as we're recording this, we are still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. So it feels, Michael, it feels like a really timely subject.
0: If um, there's one thing that's going on everywhere, apart from um, uh, lockdowns and uh, precautions against uh, catching the virus, it's hacking. It's people being resourceful, people working around problems, people thinking about things differently. Um, and of course, there's the backdrop of uh, this uh, 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 recession as well as COVID. Um, and what I think um, is going to happen is that people are just going to be even more creative than they, they have been before. Um, and we've yet to see like the fruits of that, right? Adam, the, I'd say that the, uh, the real kind of like shoots of creativity aren't going to be seen for a few months.
1: No, absolutely. It's, it's interesting that you mention that. I mean, I've got uh, my favourite pizza place, which is around the corner to my apartment, is run by a couple of pretty old, pretty conservative Italian guys. And it feels, as soon as you walk in the door, it feels like the place hasn't changed in 30 years. Uh, because I don't think it has changed in 30 years, but it's been really... I mean, it's been really kind of nice to see that even businesses like that that you know that just like you know make pizza, pop it in a box, and send it out the door. Even those guys have really adapted over the last few months. You know, all of their stuff's gone to takeaway. They've got some really good uh, workflows with delivery companies and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's certainly a lot of creativity. It, uh, that's happening that uh, we probably wouldn't have expected 12 months ago so it's,
0: uh, it's uh, amazing that there are so many businesses that and I'm going to use a word that everyone's using right now, pivot um, uh, so many people have pivoted their uh, businesses and their livelihoods and you know basically their everyday lives to do something different and um, and in the uh, online brand strategy, we we always start with process and principles, but it kind of strikes me um, that it's almost the principle part that's really important when it comes to spotting opportunity. Really, like, you know, what's the philosophy that kind of guides um, individuals as well as businesses and entities?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess we all have... You know, we've all got principles of varying standards, I'm sure, and we've all got processes to various, um, you know, that, that are variously structured. But how do you, like, how do you go about finding what your what your principles might be?
0: So that's a, a really interesting one for uh, businesses, um, and it's really interesting ones from uh, businesses that start in tough times, right? So, um, as we speak um the fallout from um the the um you know the four tech giants you saw the the um hearing that they had yes, in the they US were all
1: paraded uh, around in public, yes. Uh, absolutely.
0: Um you know all basically stonewalling um US but I think that is the precursor to know some some form of uh stricter regulation but anyway that's another subject um one thing that w- came out that was really um i think uh, really common in uh at least jeff bezos's in, and 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 um, mark zuckerberg's uh speeches um which was they were born in scrappy times right yep, Absolutely. So, so and they've kept being scrappy even as their businesses have flourished and um uh they're now worth uh billions and you know, absolute monoliths and so on. And they just made the point that, you know, when they started, they had a certain perspective, they had a certain philosophy, and these translated into business principles and they still adhere to those principles. And it's actually really hard on a human level, let alone a business level, to cut to um uh to argue with that. And so those the, in these times, I guess those principles tend to be born from a certain place, right? Which is, um, okay. I see an opportunity, um, and I need to make an opportunity work. What way do I do that? Um, how do I, how do I position my business? How do I position our story? How do I position our product in a way that is different, but more to a point? That I can actually make it work. I think it's really, really interesting start
1: point. Take if you take creativity as your as a subject, it's like it's certainly a lot easier to be creative when you've got certain kind of constraints or limitations because you kind of want to narrow your thinking down into a into a tighter place in some ways, because some ways you can kind of bounce off those walls. And I guess like, you know, if you've got certain kind of business constraints or financial constraints, I mean, there's, it's certainly no walk in the park, but there's, there's some advantages to being in a very specific position.
0: I think so. And also I think it, it's, you know, everything starts with people as we, we often say, and you'll hear on this podcast uh, a few times, but. Uh, It also translates into just kind of attitude as well, right? So everyone knows about uh, Netflix's internal document, um, which is really just related to this is what we expect from you as people because this is the attitude we have as a company, right? Um, And... Those were made when they were still stuffing DVDs in envelopes.
1: Yeah, Um,
0: exactly. Right? You know, they were basically saying, look, we kind of need salespeople. We need people to like really hustle. Yeah. Right? So do what you want to do, but we need this stuff done. Um, You know, cut to, uh, you know, the, the company they are today essentially still operating on the same principle
1: yeah it's really funny that like those like the vibe that you start with is kind of the vibe that you carry through so it's like you Mm. know uh Mm. google is a big sprawling company that feels like a weird university research lab with a huge budget and it just you know because that's kind of where it came from
0: facebook are exactly the same um we were talking earlier, uh, before we started the podcast about Ikea, right. Um, they're still exactly the same company. Um, they still have basically the same principles. Um, uh, they did when, uh, uh they had, uh, you know, uh, a small number of locations and all that's happened. is like, it's kind of like, uh, uh exploded in terms of like size scale. Um, and also kind of like cultural impact yeah. and that's the other thing that i think is really important or really interested right which is maybe and maybe um you know these businesses that are born in these uh, creative times have more of a cultural impact if they get successful
1: what do you think? They're certainly more opinionated. I just, I think right. it's like they've definitely got a bit more of a position. Like I think right. if you wore, I think if you went and spoke to a 15 year old kid that didn't know much about IKEA and you explained that, well, it was started by a very frugal. Uh, a Swedish guy who was very practical and pragmatic, like that story kind of checks out if you flick through their catalogue or their website or you walk through their store and end up in a warehouse <laughs> at the right. end of it. Like I, it feels like that vibe is, is continued. Yeah, I'd completely agree with that. Do you think uh, then
0: um, if we're talking about um, principles that they come more from individuals and founders um, than they do from like an organization.
1: I think those founders set those original visions and goals. And it's like, you know, so there's a whole bunch of their personality that's just kind of baked into, you know, the first employee, the first 10 employees, they kind of learn it. And and all of a sudden you've got an army of people working for you that have, you know, strands of personality DNA running through them when they're at work.
0: Is there So do you think there's maybe a different dynamic in today's world where it's less, it's seemingly less about individuals um, and more about, you know, collectives? Um, it's less hierarchical um, and more about, okay, we are a group of people, we are a community, and here's what we think and what we do. Do you you see that translated into, like, creative businesses?
1: um, Yeah, I think there's, like – I think that people are more likely to find kind of – people that they kind of attitudinally agree with and kind of cluster together and, like – you know, all of social media has made this really possible, and there's some really right. good upsides, and obviously right. there's some downsides. But, I mean, so it's easy to find your tribe or your group or your little gang or your posse or whatever, and then it's like, I guess it's more easy to be identified and to, you know, both as business people looking for opportunities or, or you know, people that aren't serviced by the current world. How's that for a non-answer? <laughs> <laughs> a podcast of non-answers. Yeah, exactly. But
0: this is this is a but this is a good point actually, which is if you're listening to this, then this podcast is more about questions than it is about answers, um, which actually relates to um, uh, uh, what we teach at Berks. Actually, we go through you know, principles, um, processes, um, and ways of um, students finding the answers to the questions that they have, right? Um, and the questions that, um, that their peers have, that they ask uh, um, each other. Um, um, so I've got another question for you. What do you think is the most creative business that has been started in a recession?
1: Oh, that's a very good question. There's look, there's a couple of really famous ones. Uh, right. They're all like I'm sure they're a Google search away, and I'm sure <laughs> there's uh, l- heaps of examples that I'm overlooking. But like, if you look at D- like a company like Disney, which has been around for almost a hundred years, but that was that was started in the Great Depression, and I think that's a. a you know, so think about think about the most horrible recession. Well, I guess now's a great time. But, like, that feels like a really counterintuitive time to start a global entertain or to start an entertainment business. Right, right. So it's like, yeah, I think that's a really interesting example. I think it's a really interesting
0: example um, because I think it really does speak to that principle part that um, – um, uh, that we're talking around, which is the scale of ambition of Walt Disney, of what Disney could be uh, born, you know, in the midst of a, uh, of a depression is amazing to consider. Have you seen those, uh, those sketches of you know his original vision yeah
1: they're they're beautiful as someone that it's as someone that studied graphic design i think they be- they make me they bring a tear to my eye absolutely
0: <laughs> i can see it rolling down as you Yeah we think. but but the, and that's like the flip side right which is it's not just about okay how do we how do we create something that survives right you know uh you know some uh, businesses are like We've got this idea and we're already thinking about how it will thrive in the future Um, uh, based on, you know, a a vision, based on how you want to do things. I think it's a great
1: example. Yeah, it's a a really interesting way of looking at it. And it it feels kind of counterintuitive, but I guess it's like you know, when times are tough, people like escapism or to, you know, to get a little bit more sunshine right into their head sometimes. So it's like, I think that's kind of interesting.
0: I think also what you, what you, uh, what you, um, um, highlight here is, you know, spotting the opportunity in, um, all of the, all of the chaos that's happening. Um, and so my favorite example is eBay. Um, because eBay started in uh, in a recession, uh, and it helped people sell stuff they didn't need. Quite simply,
1: yeah, it's it, uh, it's like it makes the world more efficient. Like if exactly. you can, you know, if if you can get stuff out of your storage thing cabinet that <coughs> that can be used by people, I mean, that's about the healthiest recycling you can have.
0: Uh, and also, it puts money in your pocket, which um, I think people always need uh when money's tight um and also it was something different as well right which is a bit like the uh disney example here's something new here's something different um which has a purpose um so yeah i think just having an idea of what it is you want to do um uh there's no reason why you don't do it in a uh, uh, in a recession in fact uh, those principles, or um, you know, the fundamentals of um, uh, your idea, maybe they become even stronger. Maybe they have more power, right?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, the thing about eBay that I think is really interesting is like they solve this really weird online problem, and that is like that is that is like you kind of need to pretend everyone, every stranger on the internet, is a scammer. So it's like, how do you create? trust between two parties to agree on buying something either big or small but you know either way no one wants to get ripped off and that kind of led to right. i mean those right. guys were the first to really use your your profile's reputation and other people's reviews of you of you and you as a seller or a buyer to kind of build trust so that's really Absolutely. like that's a wild invention and that's like Sorry. Oh, I mean, how old is eBay? Like 20, 50, I don't know. It's I should about, know this.
0: Oh, it's about twenty years old. Maybe we should know this. Um, we can record that. And yeah,
1: exactly. We'll
0: insert correctly here. But it's like correct.
1: I mean, it's only been twenty years since you could kind of start to trust people selling a secondhand bike that you know, you know, if they've got hundred and fifty good reviews, then there's a, a a fair chance the bike isn't stolen. Um.
0: And then that's that whole principle, right, of, like, the community will look after itself, right? So trust is, like, embedded in this, you know, digital car boot sale, essentially.
1: Okay, so today we're talking about why recessions are so damn creative. And so, Michael, when it comes to brand identity and communication systems, how do you think those two things work together? Well, um, I
0: think that um, they're... Brands' identities are probably even, if you like, more strongly baked in when companies are born in certain times, right? So, just yeah. like people, if you grow up in, uh, if you grow up in a place where you know you're close to the beach and you, you know, and loads of nature and you get loads of sun, then that becomes really important for you. Um yep. and if you grow up in a city and it's a recession and money's tight, then that becomes a real intrinsic part of your of your um of your character and your persona. And brands are exactly the same.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean like when I look at I mean I'm sure lots of people can do this, but when I look at my family and I compare my parents with their parents, like you really can see the time, those formative years in their personality. So, like my my parents grew up in a world of abundance; their parents grew up when money was tight, and you were really careful about not wasting things. And I like, I promise you that like they all they all carried that attitude all the way through. Like they just, you know, that's that's in their DNA almost.
0: Similarly, you see that in brands that are born um, uh, in those types of conditions where they know very quickly understand what their role is for people um you know take coca-cola as an example um which has this identity um you know this philosophy mission call it what you will um based all around happiness um because that's basically what they brought to people Um, in the 20s and 30s you had this bottle which made you happy to look at (laughs) uh, and uh, contained um, some sugary uh, happiness inside Um, um, and now obviously they have um, um, you know whichever campaign it is um, kind of like jumps from that brand identity and whichever kind of like communication system they use um, kind of leverages that consistently um, as well
1: so, do you think it's really like if you've got a if you've got a, a company or a brand and you've got a really wildly optimistic kind of strategy position? Do you think it's really hard to execute that stuff in times that are tough? What's your take on that?
0: Um, I think it's a really interesting question uh, because I've got uh, almost like a conflicting point of view, one as a professional and a little bit one as just like a normal person. Um, yeah. If we take it a professional one, um, then I would flip that um, um, and think really about consumers. Um, and generally, if you're starting with, you know, you know, thinking and obsessing about the consumer, then uh, the one thing that consumers kind of need is like they need kind of shortcuts in when making purchasing decisions. Um, and those purchasing decisions could be, you know, anything from an emotional need or logistical one. So I think it's really handy for a consumer to say, you know what, I need a little pep. I need a little um, uh, shot of happiness. What's going to make me happy uh, in the next 30 seconds that I can easily access? Oh, Coca-Cola does that. They go to the fridge uh, in the supermarket or in the store where there are loads of different drinks, right? Yes, uh, there and, are. And which one do they pick? More often than not, across the world, a Coca-Cola can. Um, so I think that's one, um, uh, that's kind of like an answer to that. And that's, you know, and what we, you know, teach in the online brand strategy course is about how you kind of like bake that brand identity and have communication systems that uh, will kind of bring that to life flip side of that is uh when you see um other cases when really sticking to it rigidly um um is really not the right thing for the time
1: oh what's the what's an example of that Uh,
0: a good example of that is did you see that axios trump interview the Other day, uh,
1: <laughs> I was very proud that the guy that had the interview that was doing the interview, I think, had an Australian accent, yeah, yeah but yes, yeah, yeah. it yeah, was yeah. a complete train wreck.
0: Um, for Trump, actually, uh, because I think the uh, I think the guy, who, uh, the journalist, and we'll insert the name afterwards, right? Um, yeah. we'll find out his name, um, uh, was really, really good, right? Yeah, and really, he really prepared, um, totally. Um, and not to um, kind of like the trap, uh, forget the, that bit there. Um, but there's a bit in the interview that I think was really, really powerful. Um, okay. And that bit was basically when um, the uh, interviewer said, "Look, we understand your whole brand is about optimism. It's about kind of happiness and seeing the, the positive side of things." Do you think that's really appropriate right now? And I thought that was really, really clever, but also a really interesting way to communicate a counterpoint, not just to Trump, but to everyone who maybe thinks that he's running the, uh, the US pandemic response in a right way. Yeah. We, we understand who you are, yeah, why you're totally. doing it. It's made you successful. It's the reason why you're here. But do you really think it's the right thing right now? Because X, Y, Z. Um, yeah. And it's hard to kind of go, yeah, actually, maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes, um, uh, um, uh, this, these identities, uh, that brands uh, construct are just not right for the time. And so a question, I think, that we, you know, will be asking in the course is, you know, what is the brand identity for the times that we live in and are about to live in?
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Another interesting question is, like, when it comes to communication systems, how do you think, like, what do you think, uh, do you think that... That your communication style needs to change in t- difficult, weird days. How do you think? How do you think that? Uh, how do you think people should play that, or companies should play that?
0: I think it's. Um, uh, I think it's the question that a lot of companies ask themselves. We have an episode on Black Lives Matter, where we'll talk about how shallow and how ill-prepared some of these communication systems are for when shit gets real. Um, Absolutely. uh, And then there's the flip side to that where um, it sometimes plays into certain brands and certain companies in the way that they communicate. But I also think that if, if we know anything is that we're being increasingly led by how, normal people usually young people communicate
1: yeah yeah i'd agree i'd I'd agree with that yes
0: um it's and i'm and when we talk about the system we're not just talking about you know maybe the channel um uh but we're also talking about like the tone um we're talking about the delivery and we're also talking about the intent as well um um, I think the the whole idea of um, having a communication system to uh, an individual in Cape Town, let's say, yep. Um, yep. that also works for um, an individual in Montana is yeah. preposterous, <laughs> basically. <laughs> uh, it needs to be so high level as to be... Less of a system and more of yeah. an ethos.
1: Yeah, it becomes and it becomes very ephemeral at that high level, and so it's hard to jump onto the meaning to you know to be able to execute in wildly different cultures or places.
0: So the the opportunity for um, um, creative companies or companies that um, are started right now is to really embrace the systems or the ethos that work for the emerging um, platforms um, um, and environments that people are spending their time in. So what works in gaming, for example, which is shot through the roof, uh, has been yeah. doing so for years and, you know, it's grown exponentially uh, this year for obvious reasons. Um, That's maybe your start point, right? Which is uh, we have this shared experience where um, uh, where people are uh, pretending uh, they are someone or something else and are often communicating with people that they have never met. Yeah, that's true. While they do it, so that's very very different. That your communication system has to be very very different versus let's watch let's put a video on YouTube, right? Um, yes, um, and so I think that a lot of the, the uh, a lot of companies, not just new companies, right, will be thinking about, okay, what is the system or the way forward for the what's happening right now and what's happening.
1: So, just on the communications system thing, obviously, like when no one expected. You know, the coronavirus to run rampant. So I think that caught everyone off guard, you know medical people, government people, brands, individuals, parents, all everyone. Um, how do you think how do you think companies and brands adjusted to that in their communication to, at the start of the year? Poorly in, uh, <laughs> in summary. Uh, I, personally, I agree, but i'd I'd love to to get your take on it. You see the uh,
0: homogeneity of communications uh, when everyone is talking about using words like "we're in this together," in yes. times that, when times are tough, and so on and so on.
1: I became allergic to those phrases, um,
0: and uh, you realise that you have these communication systems, not just um, uh, not just in terms of like content, but also in terms of channels that basically try to speak to everyone without saying very much and not having a real opinion on things um, and so why do
1: you, why do you think those brands like there's lots of companies and brands that had really like they're smart people there uh they've got good strategies why do you think they they completely deleted their hard disk and and it, you know, why do you think that happened
0: I think also, because part of that communication systems are things like media, right? So they probably bought space that they had to, they had to take up. Mm. Um, so there's that aspect. Plus, you also have, um, you have this environment where people think you need to talk all the time, um, yeah. even if you don't have anything of real value to you know, your consumers or potential consumers to say or to sell um so there's that aspect of things um and so it 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 kind of in the last few months you've seen the limitations of this communication environment that we talk where we talk about personalization and you talk about um targeting and you talk about you know this type of um you talk about this type of Communication that really raises bad awareness and so on and so on and so on. Um, and you realize that actually people don't need it. And that's no. maybe the part that is really, that really, if you like, uh, it's the emperor's new clothes, right? Yeah. And, and for a company, you know, for a school, which is about communication, sometimes the best communication is not to say anything at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've, I mean, you, I guess, you know, you need to, I guess, as a person you need this and as a brand you certainly need it, but you just need the self-awareness to know when you're relevant or to know when to shut up and to know that, like, yes, you spend your entire day focusing on what you can bring to the world, but, like, sometimes the world doesn't need that right now or maybe that's not on the top of someone's to-do list. Exactly. Um,
0: Maybe they just don't want to hear you. And you you also, um, I mean, part of um, one thing that we obviously saw were a bunch of businesses actually communicating that they're trying to do something to help people stop dying. Right? Yes. Uh, That I just think is brilliant. Right? I, I, I personally haven't seen that in my lifetime before at that scale. You have like, you know, raise money for like, you know, a a famine stricken uh, country uh, or for a particular cause. Fine. But I think, you know, you know, it from a like a positive perspective um, where people use their communication systems in tandem with their operations and and everything else to basically say, look, we're doing something that hopefully will help. I think that's a good part. That was a good part of it.
1: Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. Um, what else do we need to talk about? It's a, yeah.
1: I mean, it's a, it's a fine line between you know donating two million masks and then PRing it. I always thought that like there were some funny examples of like that news story getting out, and it's like it's a more beautiful gesture when it's not kind of PR. But I, I don't know. It's a tough line.
0: I think you bring up a really interesting point. Which is, um, from a communication perspective, is when is it of higher value to the business to a business to not communicate something you're doing?
1: Yeah, I think it's when like I think in examples like that, maybe your your audience is just your internal audience to be like you're working for a nice company. You know, this is what we're doing to help.
0: I tend to agree, um, as like the as Michael Anito the person, um, (laughs) as Michael Anito. I love meeting (laughs) these different Michael Anitos.
1: Fascinating. Uh, uh,
0: But as Michael Anito the the uh, brand strategist, I would say that um, if you're doing it anyway, what's the harm in communicating that to? The people who have decided they are uh, you're a brand that they follow, or you, they're a brand you're a brand that they will buy something from yeah okay. i think, I think it's when it's the other way around, right where let's do this, let's find something to do um, so that um, and, you know our consumers can think that um, you know we're we're uh, we're a nicer company um, that we have purpose. And all of that, all of that stuff. And then, of course, it's how you communicate it if you're doing this as well. It goes back to that whole thing, you know, the whole, uh, you know, if a a tree falls down in the middle of the forest with no one around, does, you know, does it really fall down? Yeah. No one sees it. Um, And that's a little bit, I would say that's a little bit the dilemma uh, companies doing good stuff um, have.
1: I think your answer about like choosing your most hardcore audience or your most engaged audience is that's probably the really smart answer for that.
0: Um, what else have we got here? Just having a look. Uh, da, 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 da,
1: da. Anything more on this one? No, the only other thing is like, I guess I've got one more question. And that sure. is, do you think that? Do you think that? your communication or you, your communication system needs to be more direct or more clear or more emotional or more rational in in tough times? Like, what's, what's your perspective on that, Michael?
0: I think it's a super interesting question which talks to a, uh, a real feature of today's society. And I mean, pretty much around the world, not just in you know, trendy places like Amsterdam and Stockholm. And that is the um that is the the role of the individual and the self and the awareness of um individuals as part of society and as part of the community um so because of what's happening around um you could say you know as a as a as a brand as a company uh we need to be We need to adapt to what's going on in the world at large, Um, which, like, you know, a little bit harked me back to the in tough times. Uh, But the reality is not everyone is having tough times, right? So how do you, how do you resonate with, um, you know, Amanda who actually has, you know, space to herself and prefers to work from home and everything's actually all good? Do, Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah,
1: it's really tough. I mean, like you know, you've got some people that have been directly affected from a health and safety perspective, and then you've got people that are just like a bit bored in their apartment. And you have people,
0: you have you know people like, who yeah, you're completely right. And I always think about this when um, you, see, uh, any commercial, um, uh, you see any commercial, you see any commercial message at the moment, and you think. Yeah, but loads of people are dead, and basically millions of people are out of work. Is this really the right time to yeah. be selling that car? Um, and it's it's you know in one sense you've got you think okay society and the show must go on, uh, but I would say um, if you have um, the the right type of communication systems right so you know collections of you know your identity storytelling content strategy channel strategy all of that stuff then you should use it to its fullest to be as relevant as possible so you know if you're doing any type of uh, digital targeting all right you know really ramp the as uh, the personalization aspect of that up. If you are doing, um, uh, more broadcast, uh, type targeted, right. Okay. So you can't speak to anyone. Uh, sorry, you can't speak to everyone, I should say. Um, uh, so be really kind of, I guess, more clear about which section of, you know, the target audience or of people at large that you're really speaking to. Uh, um um but i do think that there is something about and this is this is back to your your point about do you need to be a bit more hard hitting i do think you need to be clearer and i don't know if that necessarily means that you need to like ram something home but i think when you know there are life things going on you know clarity and simplicity are valued by people
1: Yeah, I mean, I think from like a strategy perspective, you'd always make the case that clarity and simplicity are beautiful things to strive for, but they feel even more poignant, you know, when the world is busy and chaotic. Now, Michael, you mentioned the S word before, storytelling. So I'm very curious to get your thoughts about how, uh, why recessions are so damn creative and where storytelling fits into that.
0: Well, I would say that storytelling um in today's age is about the sum total of the experience that people have with a company or brand. So that is its communications. Yes. Um it is more often than not uh, a digital experience. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes it's a physical yeah. experience. Um and it's also the product experience. So storytelling, I think if we had this uh, podcast, uh, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, would have been more about the brand story, right? What's the narrative that we, that our communications are, um, uh, uh, are kind of like a bestowing upon the audience? Um, and then we would have talked about like the power of storytelling. Right, um, and then talked about you know people around like fires in you know prehistoric times and drawing stuff on walls, all of that shit. Um, uh, but now, really, the storytelling that um, uh, uh, that, that that people want to, um, uh, if you like, experience, is a summation of di- of loads of different things, and it does include. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to sorry, they do a cut there, right, and. Um, um, uh and of course it does in- include uh like a brand narrative for sure um um but it really is harder i think for um uh it's really harder for like companies brands strategists and so on to just like pin it on one thing um the expectation uh of Um, people now is that if I have an experience with you as a company then that's basically kind of like consistent across all different uh, 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 touch points Um, and that, that kind of like story gets told in a slightly different
1: way so here's a, a question for you, and I don't know how easy it is to answer. And we can edit it out if we don't like the direction it's taking. So, dear, dear listener, you may never hear this, right. or you may hear this. But like, what is like, just to illustrate storytelling, when you're introducing yourself as a strategy professional, what is the story, or how do you introduce yourself? Like, how do you, how do you personally use storytelling to introduce why the hell you're standing up in front of people? or on a zoom call and you know talking to them about strategy what's your what's your story
0: uh i think that's a really good good uh good way of kind of like bringing it to life my story tends to be um about what i'm into um which is uh technology geeky stuff and communication um it's what i studied at um, school college University and is essentially what I've done in my professional uh, life. Um, and the what I um, what I found was really useful when I was looking at different types of careers was that um, the combination of you know technology, which is you know things that enable things in communication, um, you know things or you know entities that um, um, you know uh, talk to each other. Um, I thought it was actually a pretty good combination. Um, And that's kind of what I bring to uh, what it is uh, that I do. So I talk about what I'm into. Um, Some people, when it comes to storytelling, um, they'll talk about where they're from, right? Um, um, And, you know, companies will do this, you know, Jack Daniels does this, right? You know, Lynchburg, Tennessee, et cetera, et cetera. every communication is basically black and white and this is what we used to do. And here's how we translate it into today and, you know, sip some Jack Daniels. And that's another way of doing it. Right. So, um, there's that. Then there's others that, um, um, that will take a, or they'll take a bit more of an abstract concept. Right. Um, and I often, uh, like the future is an abstract concept. Um, um, and so, Certain companies that are, you know, defined or almost like inspired by the future. Let's say, take a Tesla, for example. That's, that's, that it's almost like their story comes from the future, essentially, when it comes to like uh, uh, their products and everything around SpaceX and so on. Um, so you have like, there's like interests, you have like origins, you have, abstract uh, concepts. Can you think of any more that um, help tell a story?
1: You know, it's almost like a little elevator pitch or a little shortcut to get you up to speed about why, why the hell they're in your life. And it, it, you know, the good thing about a story is it, it, it helps people make sense of why you're around. It gives it, you know, it often gives you an emotional reasoning for being around. So it's like, whether or not you're Harley Davidson and you're all about the freedom of the open road, uh, or you're Tesla and you're all about the beauty of being on the open road in the future. And I think like the one thing about Tesla that's kind of interesting, and I know they get used in case studies all the time, but like you know, they don't just they don't just they're not just energetic about the future, but like when you see a Tesla go past and you see more and more all the time, uh, you know, it, it looks like a little science fiction vehicle in a, like a, in a movie, like they right. look a little bit like a movie set prop. Right. So it's like, it's obviously in their design and in their products as well.
0: So, and th- and this is uh, what we were talking about earlier about the story, not just being the narrative, right? Yeah. It's in the product. Every time you see one, it, you see, you're, you're basically watching the story, right? You're, you're thinking about the future.
1: Um, I remember, like we, uh, my girlfriend and I caught an Uber a little while ago, and it was a, a Tesla. And my girlfriend said, oh, "Here comes the future." As we j- got into it, which was right. that's which that, was that's I an amazing me, job, which is <laughs> like which was unprompted. But uh, yeah, I was I was very proud of her for that little one-liner.
0: Do you know how much uh, advertising or how much media uh, Tesla um, spends? Well I Nobody. think
1: this might I think you might be asking me a trick question because I don't think they do unless I'm mistaken I don't think they do traditional Correct, media buying
0: Correct Amanda they yeah. don't do traditional media buying at all and so the 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 concept of having to have a brand narrative communicated in um you know set pieces or types of con- content distributed over you know Bought for media channels is nonsense, um, and Tesla are now the biggest car company in the world without yeah. spending a penny on yeah. TV I agree. I mean, I think
1: in lots of ways, like like bought, traditional bought media or even just bought media, is a bit of a crutch. Like it allows you to get it, you know, it allows you to get a little bit fat and lazy in your thinking if you don't uh, need to earn everyone's attention. Uh, you're
0: absolutely right. And one of the things that we tackle um, and, you know, some of the questions we set up and, you know, some of the um, uh, uh, methodologies that we'll present is really how to show the value of a good brand story in a technological age, right? And the technological age is that I don't, you don't necessarily have to make a video and put it on YouTube, right? You can just... Actually, make a flamethrower, <laughs> sell it on a website, and that does the job, which is kind of what you know uh, Tesla does um, um, and I think that's a real challenge let's let's not be let's maybe not be so flippant. Most companies are set up in a certain way right yeah, and yeah. they have certain expectations um and also you know if you're dealing with like you know let's say you're a brand and you deal with a bunch of retailers they have expectations about how you support your brand so that they can sell your product in their stocks um but there is absolutely no doubt you know in the world of flamethrowers and <laughs> and fortnite um that the 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 value um and the meaning Um, and the type of storytelling is changing before our eyes. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Adam, about um, how people bring to life their uh, businesses and their messages um, when, you know, things are tough? What's different in your mind, uh, you know, as a creative or as a strategic creative?
1: I mean, the thing about about how you activate is, like, often when you're working with companies and brands and all that kind of stuff, you've – you're dealing in a fairly constant world and yes, the world's always changing, but it's like, you know, when big dramatic things happen, big world events happen or things happen in your category or your local community or wherever your audience might be, you know, you want to make sure that you can kind of keep your strategy aligned and stay true to the spirit of it, but kind of pivot how you go about that. So I think it's like, you know, it, like you mentioned before, uh, you don't want to play the same uh, car ad f- you know, when, when times are a little bit surreal and strange because that doesn't feel like the right thing. Um, you know, you might still want to keep talking about why you might make sense in the lives of consumers. But it's like, I guess it's just a balance of, um, you know, your strategy, your tone, what you stand for, what you can offer people, but also just adjusting to the context. What,
0: what are your thoughts um uh, very similar to yours um and I often look at um, certain types of brands and sectors when it comes to uh gauging you know what's best practice um and one of the sectors I always look at is sports and things around sports culture um and I think that um as a category has been challenged like no other when it comes to activation in the last few months um because you have the uh you have the almost like the overlapping issues of all right our main product is like people coming together and physical contact can't do that um so that's like almost like the product itself right then you have okay so then the audience is the way that they generate revenues um, tend to be by crowds and people congregating in one place can't do that. Um, Then you have um, often the way that they bring to life the sport or use the sport as a leverage to sell products is um, looking at certain stars, right? Certain people who are kind of like elite uh, sports people um, and can't really do that outside of this is them in their garden, growing a beard or, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, growing their hair long or, you know, showing how they do their nails. Um, um, uh, and then finally you've got the, the last bit, which is the way that, you know, sports, um, uh, grow and propagate and so on is actually your audience becomes your participants. Can't do that either. Um, and what I've been really impressed by, um, uh, really impressed by some companies is that they've just decided to shift a little bit the way that they talk about their product and they talk about sport. So one company um, I think that's done a really good job is On. So On's a Swiss um, sportswear company. It's the company, okay. it's the company that Roger Federer has just taken the stake in and he's become their, you know, their kind of like main sports uh, spokesperson. <laughs> Um, okay uh and they've been going for quite a few years and you know have kind of like just slowly but surely built up their uh, um uh, built up their sports marketing built up their product and their uh, uh, and of course their their sales are just you know slowly trickling up and they're becoming more and more prevalent and you know to connect to you know the other part of the uh, of of this cast uh their storytelling is actually really good. Because they're not relying on events and they don't rely on specific athletes um, um, and they don't actually even rely on uh, a certain type of um, a certain type of familiarity that the audience has with their brand what they've what they've managed to do is basically almost have Activation uh, and ideas, which almost a little bit transcend sport. So you'll have um, Roger Frederick doing a social distance run through New York near the start of the uh, pandemic, but you'll also have um, uh, a quite nice, insightful piece about uh, Kenyan uh, uh, runners shot by, uh, and the whole thing is about, you know, who's who the director is, less about almost less about the. Uh, uh the uh, athletes um the, they they've they they introduced their new runners their new shoes in a really interesting way um so yeah they talk a bit about the technology but rather than the usual okay so let's get a bunch of motion graphics in and then you know slap them on some influencers and so on um they've got like a really really uh, interesting take on okay let's help, let's talk about the fabric so we can talk to a um, a more kind of sustainable fashion-oriented audience. So they've kind of like gone out of the usual in order to kind of fit the times. Uh, flip side of that is you look at someone like Adidas, um, and I know a bunch of people work for, there, uh, for Adidas. I used to work on Adidas, uh, really respect the brand. Um, but their stuff is either weak or it's kind of disappeared because it just really relied so heavily on a certain type of a certain type of environment, a certain type of yeah. thing going on in the world, right even yeah. like the music that they use, um, yeah. all of the you know the frames of references, whether it's in digital activation or whether it's some sort of anthemic film. Um, and it just makes you kind of think uh, you know what you really need to kind of think about what's going into the activation. So it's not the activation itself; it's the the thing that you're activating that actually needs the thought.
1: So, do you think that do you think that is a limit of Adidas's strategy, or is it just a a, a lack of imagination or lack of bravery to reimagine it for the current situation?
0: Uh, all of the above.
1: Okay, um, and I
0: think I mean. You know, every time you think of Adidas, you think of Nike. I just think they—I think they're actually kind of doing the same thing. Just Nike does it better and has like a bigger, uh, a bigger well of cultural reference to be able to draw upon. Um, yeah. Um, so um, I'm not sure that's the right—that's um, the right uh, comparison or the right best practice, but it, it just strikes me as. Um, we're moving into a time where um, I think the conditions of c- that commercial messages will be, um, you know, broadcast or distributed, you know, however you want to put it, are getting more and more fraught. Right? So there are more and more instances of things going on in the uh, environment. So there's more hurricanes, there's more droughts, all of this stuff there's clearly more going on from a, like a geopolitical perspective, right? So like the, the whole, we are one isn't really so, the case.
1: Sure.
0: <laughs> That's my Alexa. Um, Hi Alexa. Hi <laughs> Alexa. Um, um, and so I think people, I just think brands need to be just like a, a little more, a little more nimble. You know what I love seeing is uh, there's this thing that you, there's that, that, there's this thing that you see that young entrepreneurs do where they yeah. kind they kind of like go, right, what do I need to do to sell this lemonade? Right. Yeah. So she steps up her stall in exactly the right place. Um, um maybe gets her mama or a dad to kind of like, you know, dress in a bear suit by the side because they want to support her their daughter. The sign tends to be quite funny. And they tend yeah. to do quite well, right? Yeah. Um, and, and there's something about just uh, thinking about activation in, um, in a bit more of a childlike manner, just to be kind of a little more nimble, a little more um, creative, um, and not rely so heavily on uh, the normal procedures and the normal ways of doing things. Do you know um, Iris, the uh, activation agency?
1: Yeah, yep. They Uh, do some great work.
0: They do some great work. Um, I, at the time of us recording this, I'm pretty sure their Amsterdam office is about to shut. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Because activation tends to be grouped in this event space, right? So it's like, let's get a bunch of people together, um, do something to engage a small amount of people so we can produce materials to distribute to a large amount of people. So it's a different way of... Um, it's a different way of spreading the message. Um, got to do things differently. Um,
1: so, I guess now's a good time. Like, how would you? How do you define activation?
0: That's a really, uh, a really challenging question. and That's why yeah, we're here. It's, so. a, it's,
1: an, it's an easy sentence to say, but it's a, it's a diffi- it can be a difficult one to answer. But what's your? How do you describe it to people? Uh,
0: I, I I tend to describe it as uh, the point where. You are looking for connections with people um, uh, between your message uh, and the assets that um, uh, purvey that message uh, and the types of people that you want to talk to and uh, buy your brand um, or your product. Um, It's really that point of connection. Um, And it's not just a point of connection. Um, it's the point of dramatization as well, right? So um, uh, it goes beyond right I'm just going to distribute uh, this message down a channel you know stick something on 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 uh, on YouTube. Is that activation? It might be. Um, it's also you know broadcast, it's also digital. but the activation part for me is the part where there is something about that connection that dramatizes whatever it is you're saying, whatever it is you're selling, uh, and uh, hopefully who you are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- I, yeah, I completely agree. And I think the one thing that is interesting about activation from a strategy standpoint is as it moves into execution, uh, it's, it's like it's very easy for meaning or for for strategic thoughts to kind of wander in a slightly different direction if you're not careful. Hmm. so Uh, it's like i yeah i think that can be i think that can be a risk sometimes like you can i think it's easy to come up with something that you get very excited about and all of a sudden you know you're kind of wandering off your map a little bit
0: right so i we talked about uh in another um uh episode and i think they activate really well um um I tell you there's another industry that I think activates relatively well and that's uh the movie industry. Uh and sometimes the uh, TV industry as well. I remember something which is so simple as uh I was at South by Southwest um and they had um they had the throne from Game of Thrones, right? Yeah to okay, like, yeah. hype up the new hype up the new uh series that was a uh, come in uh, later uh, that uh, that fall uh, and the lines of people to simply sit on this thing yeah. <laughs> basically this yeah. fictional of thing uh, and this is and this is a south by southwest right so what you know digital music interactive all of that kind of stuff you know some of the most interesting shit going on in the world around the corner and there are yeah. literally hundreds of people lining up just to take a picture on some Throne of Swords, basically, it's brilliant. Um, I
1: mean, I think, I think, I mean, one of the reasons why, like, Marvel can do it really well, Star Wars does it well, and and the reason why, like, TV and movie, and I guess like those cultural kind of industries do it so well is that there's such there's such love for them. Already, and they're kind of established, and there's a an audience that is really interested in the new James Bond movie, the new, you know, the new Netflix series, or whatever. So it's like it, there's such a there's such powerful winds there, and and I guess in some ways that raises the bar because, like, you know, they want it to be they want to take the next step in the Star Wars legacy, and that you know you keep needing to up the ante in some ways.
0: I see uh, the. Um the you know the periodic apple conferences
1: as activation yeah i'm sure they do too i'm sure on whiteboards they're wildly strategic about that stuff exactly
0: right because that's when you know if you go back to what we were talking about well certainly how i define it how you kind of like dramatize what you're bringing to uh uh you know your message and your product and so on and um that those are the you know the snippets that have now become um uh, commonplace to hype up, you know, what can be as dull as, like, software features. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. What, what do we, if we, like, have to project uh, in, ahead and, you know, through the the, the great, what are they going to call this uh, depression? The great corona depression, maybe? No, I, yeah, recession? I don't know. Um, yeah. uh, what do we think, um, how, how do we think activation might
1: change? I think that, I think it'll become... A little bit more hopefully it becomes a bit more sensitive to the environment it's in, and hopefully brands and companies and you see this a little bit that they're kind of happy to shut up for the moment, like there's a big there's a there's a Facebook kind of protest by a lot of advertisers um, you know that they mm-hmm, want mm-hmm, facebook mm-hmm, to change some right, of their policies right, right. i mean i think you could easily take the cynical view and say it's a it's a convenient way to get out of a crazy market for the moment but it's like i think that and apples a good example like you there are times in the calendar where you can just shut up and there's a time, and hopefully that means you can be more interesting in more deliberate bursts of activity right right so i think i think that could be nice so like you know, it, it, not everyone needs to have an always-on strategy, and you know, popping up in people's phones and pockets and inboxes and you know, feeds and all that kind of stuff on a on a weekly basis. I don't know if that's always a great thing. So hopefully, they just get a bit more deliberate about it.
0: I think that is um, that that kind of like that thought about. um let's kind of switch it up, think about it a bit more. We can't just hire, you know, a bunch of look, good looking people to hand, stand outside a store to either entice people in or, you know, hand out leaflets, you know, like if you're in Ibiza or something. Um, uh, I think um, those type of, that, the frame of reference for activation, I think is gonna change. Um, here's how I think it will change. Number one, I think, um, I mentioned this a little earlier, I think, yeah. I think, um, uh, finding connections in, um, immersive, interactive, um, experiences like games, um, I think is one of the biggest way forwards in terms of activating the brand the brand message. Everyone loves the Travis Scott thing. Um, how yeah. it kind of like mixed a bunch of different th- different, you know, different, brought different audiences together. Right. And yeah. it looked fucking brilliant. Um, that was the other thing right it's like this is like basically flawless um so i think that i think immersive experiences um um are one way where activation will be different i think the idea of subscribed services are going to be viewed differently as we okay. In it, what way? Well, as we move into, I mean, if we again, if we talk about, you know, where you can connect with people, um, people are spending more and more time with um, either bits of software or streaming uh, platforms, um, or even just services like Deliveroo, where I have this relationship with this. Subscription. Uh, I have the yeah. relationship with this thing, um, and I feel it's something that Amazon tries to do on its platform. Um, um, and I think more and more brands and companies will start working together in order to activate in those kind of like subscribed environments.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing those businesses like better than recurring revenue i'm sure there's finance departments that love the idea of banked revenue month after month and it's like it's this it's a you know for the things that you know that you're going to want in the kind of medium to long term it's a it's a great place to i mean it's it it feels mutually beneficial for for consumers and for brands
0: and i think it's and i think that the back to your point about the consideration of the brand in an environment where someone subscribed, I think like the the, the service will think really carefully. If you're Disney Plus, right, uh, you're going to think really carefully if you're going to ever let a brand activate in your space.
1: Yeah, uh, it
0: needs yeah. to be really good. Um, it needs to make sense for the relationship you have with your consumer. Um, um, uh, and I think that that whole that whole world is, is going to become more and more, let's say accessible right now. You know, if you want to get into a show on Netflix, then, you know, you have to basically make sure you're part of the plot. Um, um, uh, and get it shot well in advance and, you know, uh, product placement or maybe part of the story, all of that kind of stuff. And that happens. Um, but I think now with more and more content being made, right. Um, often with a shorter lead time uh, and often with um, uh, uh, a heavier um, burden on having things that are relevant for local audiences, I think those doors will kind of open
1: um, as well. Um, I'd agree. One thing that I I found – one thing that's been really interesting to watch this year is how influencers have gone about activation – in a world where they can't kind of do their normal thing, hmm. that's been kind of interesting to watch. And I think it's, like, really separated, like, the genuinely creative and interesting ones who have been able to translate it to a slightly different world. Right, right. You know, to the ones that are, whose shtick is to take beautiful photos on beaches. Right. Um, uh, And
0: I also think it, there's been a kind of – um maybe like a, a bit of a seismic separation between different types of influencers and different platforms as well. So, yeah. um, TikTok is, you know, has, if anything has become more irre- irreverent, um, um, and more weird, <laughs> basically from my perspective anyway. Um, yeah. um, and that's but kind I, of. Like, I like that weirdness. Me too. I think that weirdness can be really interesting. Me too. Um, and and so I think now, like the, uh, where does that put you if you are you know, thinking of an influencer on TikTok versus Pinterest, which is just still Pinterest, right? You know, yeah, uh, yeah. It looks very nice, and you know, Instagram's turning more and more into a um, a, a media um, rich environment, mostly through IGTV. Um, um, and so I'm completely with you. I think it's been really interesting how different, um, uh, different types of influences on different platforms have really kind of like flexed, if you like. I think there was a, a, um, I guess there was a trope about the waning, um, influence or influences, um, a few months ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. and I think in some ways, whilst, Uh, engagement and numbers are up. I wouldn't be surprised if, if you like brand spend is down um, uh, with those uh, influencers uh, at the same time, you know, spending, you know, 60, 70, sometimes 120,000 on a post. Um, I think some brands have just kind of gone, you know what, with less money and without really, really knowing how this relates to sales, um, let's, uh, let's be a bit more circumspect about that. Um, yeah,
1: exactly. And I think like, I'm sure like, and it, maybe it's, it's kind of divided the market a bit because it's, you know, I guess it makes Kylie Jenner a, a relatively safe bet. Cause you know, you're going to get millions of eyeballs, but it's that kind of middle class of influencer that probably really took that hit. Uh, I think so.
0: Um, um and I also, I also wonder if we, again, if we have to project into, uh, the next 12, 24, 36 months, um, whether the, the whole, um, the whole sphere of, uh, you know, virtual influences, um, you know, these, these products of AI and of, you know, sweet optics, um, start to, uh, take over a, a little bit more in, um, uh, in some parts of the world. Versus you know, having a pretty strong foothold in the East, because it starts to it starts to make more sense if you can kind of like program um, yeah. uh, your influencer um, or they can, you know, really be kind of shifted towards what it is you're trying to sell and what it is you're trying to do
1: it kind of like makes more sense to do that. And it's bound to be cheaper as well in the long run. And also, they're less likely to get arrested for drink driving and bring your brand into disrepute. Uh, like you know, you, you get to indeed. you get to manage a whole bunch of silly risks. I think well,
0: so I think that would be quite funny actually to have like an activation strategy that was uh, based on a beef between two AI influencers.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think like – and you could also play around with the idea that they get up to all kinds of manufactured mischief. And, you know, they could be – you know, they make manufactured mistakes and all that kind of stuff. There'd be certain, you know – there'd be certain brands where that could work really well. Like if you're Monster Energy Drink, like you could really have a lot of fun with that stuff.
0: It's funny because you make me think of – you were talking about that and I started thinking of like the fourth wall. Um, yeah, uh, and that's completely that, right? Um and but you see the the uh, uh the the popularity of you know breaking that fourth wall, right? You see it in um you know there's a reason why Ryan Reynolds movies are really popular because he's basically one walking fourth wall breaker in his movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um um whether it's um, you know, Hitman's Bodyguard or uh or 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 deadpool and it makes me actually kind of kind of think it might be quite interesting where you have you know this this uh uh ai influencer face off um and everyone knows it's fake or is it fake it's just they're yeah, made exactly. of ai right and so um uh and so that could actually be part of the like the engagement as it gets more and more surreal and weird and obtuse
1: yeah i mean i think I think because like because audiences are so sophisticated and media savvy I think it's like there's lots of i think they really will follow you on that journey
0: um I think so um because I think maybe like uh, one of the things to um've we've, we've touched on is this whole idea of escapism um and it's not just you need to be more uh, uh, creative to engage people um, in these times, but actually, maybe the people who are doing the engaging um, need more escapism. Doing what they do, um, you know, if you're writing a if you're writing a script right now, um, or if you're writing a uh, uh, a treatment for an online show, um, or even just like a motion graphic. Um, yeah, I think. Um, people are just being a little bit more imaginative, um, you know, taking a few more, taking a few more chances, not least because they feel like they need to.
1: Yeah. I mean, like the way that uh, often we describe it to students here at the school is like, you know, when you're making something, you're competing with everything else that could be in another browser tab or, you know, everything else that could be on your screen. So it's like, it's got to be good. It's got to be interesting.
0: I tell, okay i'll give you an example which is an example of uh shit goes wrong and also if it's if it's in line with your brand identity it can actually work for you um uh, and that's the i guess the public reveal launch of um, tesla's Cybertruck. truck
1: ah yes
0: yes um uh, so he throws this you know talking about the bulletproof glass or the unbreakable glass Um, uh, uh, I think it's like the head of designs chucking it out the window Uh, and uh, yeah this is not going to break, this is unbreakable uh, Elon says and it (laughs) breaks
1: (laughs) the Uh, single most visual contradiction you've ever seen Exactly
0: Um, and what do they say They, they say something along the lines of if I remember rightly, well that's not supposed to happen and it's not happened in testing Um, let's give it another go. (laughs) So they throw it at another one and it breaks again. Um, And uh, everyone laughs uh, and they sell hundreds of thousands of units of this this, uh, vehicle two years before it's going to be made.
1: I mean, um, why do you think why do you think that went down okay? What what do you think, think made the, that epic fail okay?
0: I, th- I think it's what we're talking about, right? Which is, you know, what they're a creative company, so they take risks. Yeah, um, um, that's kind of like embedded in their uh, brand identity. There's there's that. The, their storytelling is always about the future, right? So you've got yeah. this futuristic-looking car that you know you can't get for two years anyway. And because it's Tesla, they would have fixed that um,
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> basically yep. by then. Um, uh, and it's just people just respect things that are a little bit different, actually. Uh, you might not like it, but being a bit different, doing things uh, your own way, um, it gets attention. Um, and so that's – so it, at one hand, it's a disaster. Uh, and on the other hand, it's reinforced everything that you would say is positive about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that – like the, the other thing that I noticed from the Tesla broken window example, and like I c- can you imagine being on stage and that happening without wanting to have the earth swallow you? But like even just saying something as simple as – and human is like, well, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> like, like I think that I hope that all of us would react that that well in that I, situation. I think and that, was
0: honestly, a, I think there was a fuck in it first. Actually, oh, I think he okay, said, I think right. he went, "Oh fuck, that's not supposed to happen." <laughs> um, that's even I, more I, relatable. exactly, exactly, and that's the whole thing. It's like you have this literal disaster, um, which actually just. Makes you think even uh, more fondly um, of um, the individual and in the company. Um, and they wouldn't have done that on purpose, right? So that's no, the other thing of being able to like pivot really, really quickly. Um, so, yeah.
1: Michael, I think that's an excellent answer. And I think that's cool. a great place to leave it. So, thank you for joining me today.
0: And thank you for joining me, Adam. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about sustainability, uh, global warming and what we call the tragedy of the commons.